someone that has a special gift to evangelize in that sense, the gift, the role of an evangelist. But when it comes to evangelism, the verb, that's the same thing as go make, teach, and baptize. That has been commissioned on all of us. When you come to faith, when you are a follower of Christ, that commission is then placed on all of us. Now go pass the baton. Or if baton passing isn't your thing, how about go invest your coin? Coin, ring a bell with you, the parable of the coins. Gentleman has some coins. He allocates them to some individuals. One individual feels that the best use of his coin is just to bury it and protect it. That doesn't work out so well for that individual. And somehow I felt great conviction when I thought about this in light of that. We have been given a pearl of great price, right? They wrote a book about it, a movie about it. We have been given something amazing in salvation in Christ. It is of greater value than gold, which is simply concrete in heaven. But in light of what that message says, if we just take that and bury it and say that the best thing that we can do is protect it, we have missed out on the greatest thing that we have, is that when we invest, we don't invest on behalf of our knowledge and our wisdom. We invest on behalf of his knowledge and his wisdom. And he has the ability and the call on us to multiply that gift that has been given. And how do we do that? It sounds so difficult. Discipleship for some is so easy. But think about like small groups, some of the stuff we talked about. Ken did a great example. How do we get to know people? You have like one hour in church, unless I'm preaching, and then you have two or three. <laughs> but I mean, an hour and 30 if Eric's preaching, an hour and two and a half if I'm preaching. But that's not enough time to get to know people. I'm, I really want to change the meet and greet around from two, three minutes, because you guys get all riled up like a bunch of swarming bees. I, I want to change the meet and greet to the end of the service so that after we've all been fired up and encouraged by God, we can fire it up and get encouraged and then go out to lunch together, go meet new people, find anyone that's sitting by themselves and go sit with them and, and build those relationships, right? It's just not enough time. But in community, in life groups, in small groups, you have the time to sit down, eat a hot dog or whatever your group chooses to eat, vegan groups, Sarah's in your group. We have to bring vegan food. <laughs> Lettuce for young adults. It's really weird. Now all of a there's two or three of them that have joined her in that. But whatever you have to bring to the group, right? And all of a sudden you can hang out and you can do life. Now we're actually taking Pastor Eric's book on identity and just tearing all the sections apart and kind of creating this kind of rapid back and forth conversation. And we had 17, 18 young adults in that meeting last Monday. Uh, we don't have 17 or 18 young adults in the building, although we do have about 10 or 12 this morning, which is exciting. But those young adults love that small group conversation. Why? Because life becomes transparent and open and honest. And so if we could stop thinking of church as a singular event that we do on the weekend and start thinking of church as something that we live out Monday through Saturday, that means that we can go to church on Sunday in like a really high-end car that just needs its battery recharged. It serves a different purpose. It could be encouraging. It could be uplifting. Or if you've been talking with someone and discipling someone, maybe that invite then takes on a whole different meaning, right? You've already been living life with them and talking with them. Now you invite them to church. The process is difficult. It's not quick, right? Your faith wasn't easy, and walking that faith is not easy. So inviting someone into that is a little bit difficult. And I know that a lot of you think, I'm just not worthy. I just don't feel enough. Like, I just don't feel a sense of even belonging to say, hey, come walk with me and see what I do. And then they see that my Facebook post and my house are really not the same. You know, all my laundry isn't all done. All my meals don't look spectacular. And sometimes I still use words that are probably not select for a believer in Christ. But the truth of that is that transparency becomes so much more attractive to people. 
Think about who Jesus, you know, Jesus, the guys he's recruiting. He's walking along a shoreline. He sees some dudes in a boat and he says, hey, dudes in the boat, come follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. It's a pretty simple conversation because why? We're fishermen. When we're fishing, we're pretty singular in focus. Think about that. They just drop their nets and what do they do? They follow the leader, right? Such a simple thought from our childhood. They follow the leader. It doesn't say they got saved, they got baptized, they got cleaned up, they paid all their debts off, they stopped cussing, they stopped chewing, they stopped smoking. All the things that fishermen do, there's no clarification that any of that happens. Fishermen have select vernacular. Let's just be honest here. When you're not catching fish, you get frustrated. Does he stop walking along the shoreline because he's already made the mistake of recruiting three? He keeps going. To me, that's intentional. He wanted our faith to be real. He wanted our faith to be down and something that anyone could understand. Hey, you used to fish for fish. Now you're going to fish for men. He made it simple. He made the application real. I love that because Peter did the same thing with Mark. You know Peter, the guy who walked on water, then sank. (laughs) Peter, the guy that told the Lord, I'll die for you. I'm your greatest follower. Hey, don't you know Jesus? Jesus? I've never even heard that word before, right? That same Peter... Peter, 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 Peter. He took Mark along with him and discipled him and shared with him and showed him. Paul, how about Paul with Barnabas, Silas, or even young Timothy? What does he do with him? He shares with him and he shows him his faith. He doesn't tell him his faith. and says, you need this or you're going to die and go to hell. It's funny what we've, we've telephone line down the line, like this is what we need to do. But when you back that up, that's not, you don't see that there. You don't see people screaming at people like that. Get out of the tree, little dude. Something wrong with you? No. He's like, hey, come on down and let's go eat. Simple conversations to invite people into their lives and see the risen Lord doing life daily. And now these guys who have messed up, they've been great at one time, but they've messed up. They get to show people how I get to live out my faith daily. And what happens? They grow. And you'll grow when you invite someone into your life. That's why the next word is baptism. Because a natural component of the verbs is as someone walks this process, a process designed by our Lord and Savior, a natural byproduct of that will be baptism. We have baptism and we have communion. Those have been given to us as a blessing. What is the blessing of baptism? It shows that the individual is maturing in their faith in Christ to the point of being ready to publicly declare that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior. Now, we're getting ready to do some baptisms coming up in the next month or so. So I would encourage you, as you hear this part of the message, if you have not been baptized, please come find me and Eric and talk because the Bible is very specific about this. It says, why tarriest thou? Arise and be baptized. For the follower of Christ to know that Jesus is Lord and Savior and miss out on that. It's It's like I always tell students when I was in student ministry, it's like this, but better, right? All a ring says to everyone and anyone around you is, I'm married, I belong to someone. How important is that ring really? It's really only important to who? One person, your spouse. And it means everything to them when you, guys, try this. Try walking out the house and say, I'm going fishing. Where's your ring? <laughs> I don't want to lose it. This is actually my third one. Doesn't matter. Put it on, right? <laughs> because you belong to someone. That's what this means. You belong and you're in a relationship with that person, and you care about them, and they care about you, right? That's all baptism is. It's an opportunity to publicly declare, I belong to someone. 
I belong to someone. He's died for me. He's my Lord. He's my Savior. And I want to share it with everyone. And you publicly initiate your ambassadorship to the whole world. You also end up inadvertently joining a congregation because baptism is part of how someone comes into being part of a body. Don't be afraid of maturing in Christ. The Bible says you start with milk. Don't end up with milk. By the way, that doesn't work out for your teeth or any of your digestive system or anything else. I mean, you can start with milk, but you've got to move on to solids. And baptism represents an individual who is maturing and moving on. And we need to see that in the church. We need to see baptisms. We had an amazing baptism last year, and I hope we can continue at this part of the season with some more baptisms because a church that's baptizing people is a church that's making disciples, right? And if that's the Great Commission, what else are we supposed to be doing? I don't mind having great barbecues, and I don't mind having great events. Those are all wonderful and spectacular. But in light of what we've been called to do, The reason why we have communion and the reason why we have baptism is to remind us we have a great call, a high honor in our life. And when we get to share those baptisms, that's why those mornings are so electric and so charged by the Spirit because it's affirmation that the Spirit of God is moving in his people and disciples are being made. Once you're done with baptism, it's a continuum, right? The baptism leads to what? The person can now teach. See, it's really important when when making something to follow instructions. I've learned this while trying to make cookies on my own, my own way. It's best to follow the instructions, right? And so Jesus is saying, don't confuse discipleship. Just follow my instructions because once someone has been going and and kind of spending time with someone and that person comes into salvation and now they're walking with that person and now they're being baptized, that person is now ready to be taught. And what are you going to teach them? to pass the baton to others, right? There's a goal, there's a reason behind what we do. There's a purpose and a plan. Um, That was a big catchword for a long time, right? Purpose-driven. We have a purpose. We have a high calling. We are ambassadors of Christ. And this is the great commission on our life, to go and make new disciples who then share that faith with others, walk with those people, and then they get to be baptized so that they too can then teach other people what they have been taught. Share with other people what they have been shown. Receive the grace and mercy that is our Lord and Father's to give. And he allocates it to us and says, go be that representative for me. It's a sign of divinity and comfort to us that he says that he's going not only to give us the authority, but he's going to walk with us always. It's not some kind of test to see if you're worthy. It's a privilege to say you've been honored. In your small groups, all the different things that you get to do, you get to see one thing. When Jesus says, come walk with me, it's a chance to see the living, risen Savior at work manifest in front of your very eyes. I have walked with people that have been so anti-faith, anti-religion, and if I listed to you the very verbs that some of the people use to describe themselves, you would think, Pastor Jeff, that has got to be the least wisest thing you've ever done to choose that person to walk with you in life but here's what i want to tell you about choosing someone to walk with you we don't choose them the lord chooses us and he sends them to us right they're not some random spin the wheel we don't have that kind of god we have a god who says i have divinely placed these people for a strategic amount of time and it is a limited time opportunity for you to walk with them you better do it because I'm going to bless 
the person that does what I ask them to do. And when you don't do it, that blessing is just waiting for the next person to take that chance to invite someone and say, this is what life looks like for a follower of Christ. It's not pretty. Some days are good and some days are just mucky, but this is how you do it. Let me show it. And that becomes very attractive to people because the religion that we're presenting to everyone is this polished rock that people think is impossible to obtain. And when you bring it down to say, you know what? I was in the mire. I was in the muck. I was covered. And he said, come to me. And I started walking to him and the flies were following me and I smelled terrible. And I just cast the it. I was feeding pigs five minutes ago. I was feeding pigs five minutes ago. What is he going to do? What is he going to do? And at a distance, he sees us and he says, stay there. We'll clean you up and then we'll get back to you because you stink. And you're covered in sin and mire, mud, and muck. We don't see that in our Lord. We don't see that in the prodigal son. We see a father who says, Oh my God, it's my son. And he, he oh my God, he says his name. Oh my Jesus. Uh, <laughs> Je- Jesus, yes, Jesus. That's your son. I just realized that phrase doesn't work in that, right? That's my son. And there's this picture of this guy going like, yes. And I picture like that dance moment. You're like, yes. And he's like, no, I stink or whatever. And he's just buried his face. He's like, I love you, man. I'm so glad you're back. Kind of like what I did with Jeremiah this morning. I was like, yes, Jeremiah, it's so good to see you. Right? Isn't it great to, you haven't been there in a while. Like, Where you been? What you been doing? Oh, yeah, you want to go back there right away, right? But if, like, if I see you and I'm like, you know, hey, it's Eric Lowe. Woo! Yes, I get to hang out with him today. I mean, why can't we be excited about what God is calling us to do? To disciple someone, to be in someone's life for a limited time, to walk with them, to talk with them, and to show them God's good favor, his grace and his mercy. What, what, what are we really risking? Tell me what the risk is again. They might say no. Then find the next person in line. Right? He says the, the, the field is full. The harvest is full, but what? The workers are what? We're just not doing it. It's not like there's no opportunity to go evangelize and be his ambassadors. We're just we're sitting on the boat. We're stuck in the harbor. Now, I know that discipleship works differently for everybody. For me, it might be taking someone fishing or just hanging out. I got a chance to do a ride-along with Costa Mesa on Thursday, and my wife was like, how are you going to sit in the car with someone you don't know for five hours? After five hours of sitting with uh, Officer Hagen, he asked me if I wanted to stay with him. And I said, when is your shift in? He said, 2 a.m. I would love to have you ride with me the rest of the day. It's not difficult to be with people if you realize what a privilege it is to just sit and listen. To be, he, you know, Costa Mesa only has four cops in the day. So one's in the north, one's in the south, one's in the east, one's in the west. He's rolling solo. He has to call for his backup on everywhere he goes. So to have someone in the car who's comfortable and knows kind of what's going on and can watch and see was a blessing to him. And it was so encouraging for him. Every call and all that, just hanging out. We didn't talk religion. I didn't quote him the theological things that I know. We just talked about life. We talked about good restaurants to eat at. We talked about things that are cool in Costa Mesa and things that are difficult. I mean, most of the calls for these police officers are transient and homeless related. Guys, our town is inundated with that and it's putting a huge burden on the town and it's a lot, it's a huge stress for these young officers. Most of the police force is under 30. You couldn't even be called rabbi back in the biblical times until you were 30. You don't even have enough life experience to know how to help someone until you were 30. And our, most of our force, 85% of them is under the age of 30. 
And they're out there dealing with people who have MBAs, doctorate degrees, all kinds of different things. And they're out there just a waste of life. And it broke my heart, but I was so grateful to just hang with them and be an ambassador of God for the city of Costa Mesa. And I have applied for chaplaincy with them, and and I'm going to interview in September with them. I really hope I get a chance to extend Lighthouse Community into the police force, and we get a chance to do that. You know what? Because discipleship is different for everyone, and that's why I'm going to invite one of our elders up here and give you a chance to meet Dan Blood. Dan, would you come up here and share what discipleship looks like for you and Evan? Because we've been praying for you, and you've been doing this with him kind of out of state, if I remember correctly. So you want to grab your mic, and uh, I'm going to actually sit down. You guys, this is Dan Blood. He's one of the elders here at church, and he is uh, mentoring and discipling a young man in Texas, is it not? He's here. Dan, why don't you share your story with him? Do I still have 10 minutes, or should I come back another uh, You can do, <laughs> make it as quick as possible. We're running a little late, but it's all good. That's my story. Does this work? You know, when I got dressed this morning, Patty, my wife, asked me, says, aren't you going to wear pants? I said, if Jean can wear a hat, I can wear shorts. So... Um, um, you know, the Lord works in mysterious ways, and it's still a mystery to me how Eric and Jeff got me up here. But uh, um, uh, I was asked to give kind of a practical application of discipleship, and um, I think that the one, the, those opportunities that we all, and I'm sure that you could all probably come up here and, and share an opportunity, but I think the opportunities that are most meaningful and impactful are the ones that come to us naturally. It's a family member, uh, a friend, a coworker, an acquaintance. It's kind of the ones that the Lord just lays in our lap, and it's just up to us to kind of take the initiative. Uh, for Patty and I, it was Evan, our nephew. I have a picture of Evan. They have a picture of Evan. <laughs> there he is. That's Evan with my beautiful wife, Patty. Um, I hope nobody's offended by that jersey. I thought, he, I thought he's representing rather well for Southern California. But um, I, I was going to make some stupid joke about an SC jersey, but I decided to be discreet, um, especially since they won yesterday and my Bruins lost. So um, anyway, Evan, Evan is currently in prison. Um, this is his second time through. Um, Uh, The first time that it was 19 when he started having issues with the law, Uh, Evan has a problem with alcohol. Um, Alcohol consumption for Evan causes him to be irrational and make real bad decisions. Now, you might all say, well, that describes me, but because of a chemical imbalance, Evan takes it to a different level. So after his third DUI and then his... um, he tried to steal a car. It just so happens that it was a uh, it was a plain clothes a policeman's car, which was which is really a bad decision. Um, he got sentenced to prison. Evan spent uh, first time through. He spent a year and a half in prison. But while he was in prison, he accepted Christ. He started reading the Bible. He started memorizing Scripture. He started counseling and discipling other inmates. So. Lord took a very negative situation and turned it into a positive situation, which he does often in all of our lives. So we started, Evan knew that Patty and I were Christians, so he started communicating with us. So we, we've, uh, 
stayed in touch with Evan over the years and been very encouraging, sent him, sent him certain Bibles, publications, and just every opportunity we had, we would share with Evan, kind of keep him balanced. So it's been a real blessing for us. So he was doing fine. He, was, uh, he lives up in the high desert. And um, up until uh, beginning of last year, uh, Evan was doing fine, but you know how the enemy, uh, like a roaring lion, seeks who he may devour, got a hold of Evan, and Evan started drinking again. Um, he got intoxicated one night and uh, made another bad decision. He took his, uh, he took his mom's car, and uh, once the police started chasing him, he decided not to pull over and kept going. So he... He was one of those, uh, you know, those police chases you see on TV with the helicopters and all the cars and the sparks flying out from underneath the car. That was our Evan. And um, during this trip, he called his mom, and um, his, he told his mom, he said, I don't want to go back to prison. I'm going to allow the police to shoot and kill me. I don't want to go on living. So his mom talked him off the ledge, and he eventually pulled over, was apprehended, and um, he um, was, um, um, he reached out, and it was, it's funny. Uh, I was going to show you the, the video of the, it's, you know, it was on the news. I was going to show you the video, but I didn't want you, I wanted you to remember this Evan, the, the, the Evan God created, as opposed to the other Evan that Satan had a hand in. So I decided just to leave this one up here. So... Um, Evan, uh, when he, as soon as he got to jail, he uh, reached out to his mom, and to his mom, he had um, uh, got a hold of Patty and I, and he had three specific prayers. He had uh, he wanted his sentence reduced. He thought he was going to because it was uh, <coughs> excuse me because it was a second his second time through. He was on probation. And the uh, evading uh, police is not a good thing. Is that right, Rich? Evading the police is a negative. And so he thought he was going to get 15 years. And so he wanted to reduce sentence. He wanted to be close to his uh, where his mom was so his mom could come and visit. She has trouble traveling. And he also um, uh, he wanted to go back to fire camp. His first time through was at fire camp. And what, it's literally a camp where they take prisoners out, and they get to work outdoors. It's exercise. It's away from prison life, and it gives them an opportunity to um, kind of grow in that environment. So that was the, he had three prayer requests, and a lot of you guys were involved in that in our small group. And Wednesday morning, we started praying for Evan, and um, to just to, to make this short, uh, the, he got an early um, arraignment, and he got an early sentencing. Instead of 15 years, he got four. And since then, that's been reduced. Um, he got placed in Delano, which is close to his mom, so his mom's already been out to visit. And currently, he is in Reno um, preparing for fire camp. So <clears throat> Lord was three for three, which is an indication to me that uh, the Lord obviously loves Evan, and Evan can sense the Lord's presence in his life. And I think, you know, I think the, uh, the Evan, Evan was kind of getting distracted, and I think that the only way the Lord's going to get Evan's attention is to put him back in, in prison. He allowed that to happen. Now, we get probably two letters, <coughs> excuse me, we get two letters a week from Evan. He loves to write. 
He's very articulate. I'm actually going to share uh, excerpts uh, from three of his letters. Um, and he is back leading Bible studies, studying his Bible. He's still counseling and discipling other inmates, leading them to Christ. He, he's, he's just in a really good place. And here, he's in prison. I've never been in prison. Because I, <clears throat> I can't imagine it's a, a real joyful place. But actually, um, Evan finds joy in the place that he's at. So it's just, and, and again, I want to thank everybody that's been involved in prayers for Evan. Cause obviously, Patty and I love him very much, and, and we just pray for him daily. So... Um, last year when Eric's book was published, we thought this is perfect. We'll send, uh, <coughs> we'll send, um, Evan a book and Eric was uh, kind enough to sign the inside cover. So, and we were going to send it to him. We found out that you can't send a book directly to prison or maybe they think you're going to put a file in it or something. <coughs> I've never been to prison, but it just seems like it'd be very difficult to get out of prison with a file, but, uh. Anyway, so what we did, we, we, we copied the inside cover. We sent that in a separate letter, and then we sent the book. You have to send it through Amazon or a third party. Oh. Thank you, Randy. Now I know why you keep water up here. <clears throat> so um, Evan got the... Got the letter with the inscription first, and this was his response. Just received your letter with the pastor's message. I got called for mail during my Bible study, which was pretty cool. I opened it in front of the the fellows just to see that the huge picture of a verbal blessing. They were blown away. You know how we can get super emo, which I'm, I'm assuming is emotional, the wonders and timing of God's divinity. A bunch of tatted buff convicts about to cry over a love note from one man to another. Only the kingdom of God will you see such things. So that was when he, he hadn't gotten the book yet. So this next letter is the book. He says, this book couldn't have come at a more perfect time. Thanks so much. Here's the backstory to my day. I got pics sent to me by Mama, which I was really stoked about. Well, I sort of got roasted on some of them because of my style of fashion. <coughs> so I sort of became vulnerable in my sharing and got let down. It gave me bad anxiety that I had to work through. Why? Because of my peers' opinions. I worked on letting this process and talked myself out of it along with prayer. That's when I began to read the first chapter. When we don't know who we are, when we aren't secure in who God made us to be, then we will naturally look to the other people and things to define us. Pretty amazing. I know that this book was written for me. <clears throat> Tell Pastor Eric that it brought me to tears, seeing how perfect God's timing was today, and that I know that this book was meant to help change me forever. Sounds like a review that they would place in the corner of a New York Times bestseller 25th anniversary edition. (laughs) He said, God's timing is always perfect, isn't it, though? Those tangible reminders that we're still in this marathon and that he's coaching us all the way. I don't know if you noticed this, that as we disciple someone, 
we actually get discipled back. So, and every time we get excited about seeing uh, a letter from Evan, it's because he's always sharing his heart with us, and he's always talking about Christ. So this last letter I'm going to share with you is um, his most recent letter. He said, well, I'm a long way from the way I was feeling my last letter, and I thank God for that. <coughs> I'm up here in Lake Tahoe, Reno area, getting ready for fire camp. It's so beautiful here, all kinds of wild animals to appreciate. And the sun is blood red from all the fires going on up here. I'm five years older and 25 pounds heavier than the last time I trained for camp. So I've really been focusing on my fitness. God has placed me in a dorm with another like-minded brother <coughs> in the faith, and that makes life really good to have that fellowship. Even when I felt I was my, at my breaking point, God came in and saved the day as usual. Just got to hang on. There's a lot going on here. Once my feet hit the camp in around eight weeks, my time automatically goes to 33%. That leaves me with one year. How amazing is that? There's a real peace in all of this, and it's only getting better. Just got to keep pressing on towards the finish, even with blisters, chafing, and the lack of breath. Wait, am I talking physically or spiritually? I guess both. <coughs> so you can see that, um, and again, it's been a blessing for Patty. We've stayed in touch with Evan. We've encouraged him. You guys have prayed for him. And it's because it's just a natural progression for us. And and I would, would close with this. When the Lord lays one of these in your lap, just ask God for discernment and direction, and he'll do the rest. Thank you. Thank you, Dan. Well, I know that for some, public speaking is difficult, but I really felt like your story of discipleship was so relevant Pertinent, and I would love the fact that you guys would get a chance to see one of your elders in motion. So, you know that you know that's that's what it could look like. It could look like something different. It could look like something similar. Um, but however it ends up looking, one thing is perfectly clear to me. Uh, I recently did a wedding for some of our young adults, which are newlyweds. Are here the Miramontes, and uh, our key verse for their wedding was Ecclesiastes four nine through two. And basically what that verse says is that two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. And I'm just one of those people that everything's just really practical for me. And I started looking up practical examples of, of labor distribution. And you know what a Belgian horse is, those big giant Budweiser, Clydesdale, that kind of That horse is about 2,000 pounds, pretty impressive animal. If one of those pulls its own weight, you'd say, okay, it's massive. That's pretty impressive. But one of those horses can actually pull about 4,000 pounds by itself. But if you put two of those beasts together, it's not 8,000 pounds that they can carry, but they can carry 16,000 pounds, four times their own weight, just with two of them. And as impressive as that was, once I kind of got into this idea that God actually is talking both spiritually and physically, one set, one team of those two has actually pulled 43,000 pounds, one team of two horses. And I just realized something, that discipleship for us is kind of just, it works like that. It's an amplification of power and strength. See, because it doesn't matter what you bring to the table. It doesn't matter what you say about yourself. What it matters is what he says. 
And I hope that you kind of have that is kind of resonating in your hand this morning is that whatever you thought about discipleship, you got to just make peace with. But whatever he says about our identity in him is more important. So I've asked Robin up to sing a song that I heard recently on the radio that I think just basically explains all this perfectly. And so I'm just going to offer you a time to reflect and think about this song. And I pray that it blesses you the way that it's blessed me. Robin. Robin.